Well, we're back uh, another we're week. Back. It, mm-hmm. We're back like the both of us. It's, it's fun. Um, should we share our our newest updates before we get started on the episode with um, Coconut yeah. Grove family? Yes. So Katie and I have been talking about doing some refreshing, revamping, um, getting some things uh, polished up a little bit. One of the things that includes is picking a new release date that works well, better for everyone. It's a little better for us from an editing standpoint, a little better for you guys from a pick-me-up-during-the-week standpoint. So uh, we put out a poll and we asked what days would work. And there was a pretty resounding Thursday, although a couple stragglers for Wednesday. So we're going to try out Thursday drop dates. So, um, yeah. you know, let us know if that's working for you. Yeah, by the time this comes out, it will it will already be a Thursday, so you'll already notice that maybe the Monday episode, let us know if you missed it early on in the week, if you needed that early in the week boost, or if you like this kind of like end of the week, like push you off to the weekend kind of vibe. Yeah, we're getting you to the weekend. Is that helpful? Is that, did you need more? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, we're giving it a try. Uh, so this will be our first drop on a Thursday. So sorry, we like finagled that on you uh, i'll probably be on online on monday to let everyone know but um hold on tight you'll make it i'm sure um, so that's that's one of the things we're excited about doing um and then there's gonna be a lot of new things coming hopefully over the summer uh, we have a lot of really cool new topics that we're going to be covering uh, i don't want to surprise well, i want to keep it a surprise i don't want to give all of it away but we yes. are hoping to get some awesome guests so we're bumping up our guest numbers hopefully kind of maximizing um, as many guests as possible um, hoping to have like a 50 50 split uh, at minimum so if you love our guests you should be seeing more guests um yeah what else is new uh, some branding yeah we're getting kind of more into the branding. So Katie's actually done some really beautiful uh, Instagram planning for us. You should see us more active on TikTok, which is always a struggle for me. So don't laugh. Please be supportive of the uh, 31 year old on TikTok. Um, Yeah. What else did we um, chat about? Uh, We are actually, we're updating the, the weekly structure of it. Um, so each week it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, it's going to go through the same four, uh, essentially, or three essentially categories, uh, just over and over again. Uh, so we have, a, a solo episode. We've got two solo episodes a month that are coming out. One with Katie, one with Ashley. Then we've got a duo episode, which is just the Katie and Ashley show. Kind of like you got today. This is a duo episode. And then we will be adding in um, interviews. So in addition to the solos, we will be interviewing during our solos. um, But we specifically want to set aside once a month where Ashley and I both together interview somebody. Um, So you can definitely expect that per month. So on a typical four-week month, you can expect two solos, one duo, and possibly a trio or a quattro, depending on how many people are in 
the interview. <laughs> so exactly more voices and, yeah, and, and a um, variety of voices. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think depending on guest flexibility, then we may have even more guests um, in there. So exactly. The more voices, the yeah, merrier. So, <laughs> yeah. It'll change up your week. And, and, and that way you guys um, don't get bored. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully you're not bored yet uh, because we have a lot of really awesome episodes. We say that like every two months. We're like, we have so many amazing episodes coming up, but like seriously, we really put in some hard work today. Um yeah, you can just really feel it. I mean, I don't know if you can feel it yeah, right now, but we can feel it. So trust us. There's going to be some good stuff. Um, tune in next week. I think it will be exciting. So should we dive right in? Um, okay. What are your stories and fun updates this week? Did anything happen? Anything as eventful <sighs> as Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing is quite as eventful as Mexico. I think it's going to take a while to top that. Um, we did have some <laughs> Canadian friends visiting. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And uh, it was great. We went back to Universal, rode the rides, had a great day, ate all the, the junk food. Um, they were here for just over a week. So it was really nice to see a couple guy friends. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, that's kind of it. Just being kind of nose down, catching up on things that I yeah. didn't do while I was away. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, my my events and updates have been pretty low. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> now you know how it feels to be me. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we actually, we, I actually do have a, a story fun update this week. Um, we had our very first dinner party event. Uh, so my boyfriend Nestor and I have a business together where we kind of like split the, both of our talents. Um, so he's a chef as we've probably told you 800 times by now. Um, so he's a chef and he does the private catering um, private chef side of the business. And I do the planning and event side operations, things of that nature. Um, so yeah, we, uh, built this business last year, but we haven't really done anything with it because we've both been so busy in our regular lives and regular jobs. Um, but Nestor got the hookup from work and, uh, yeah, we did a little dinner party event. Um, so that's the name of the business is dinner party, but uh, it was actually a kid's birthday and it was like during the day. It was not at dinner time at all. <laughs> and it was a salad station. Um, but it yeah. was at this like mansion in West, uh, no, not Westwood, in Brentwood um, in the hills. It was beautiful. Oh my gosh. It was gorgeous. Prettiest house I've ever seen in real life. It was oh. insane. They had a tennis court on their property. Not, not like over there, you go walk to the tennis court. Like, on their it was their backyard okay the party was in their front yard the party was in their front yard and oh, their wow. pool was Even in their the front, big yard. front yard in their backyard was like a kid's jeep like a big kid's jeep and like yeah uh, a tennis court and like i don't know something else like a volleyball thing or something i don't know it was huge ginormous <laughs> literal mansion um and for this this freaking two-year-old's birthday party they had a miniature baby cow, not just a baby cow, a miniature baby cow. We were Googling photos earlier of what a miniature cow looks like full grown. It's so adorable. I hate it. I'm obsessed. It was it's a like mini a, it's ch- baby cow? It's a mini A baby, baby mini cow. cow. I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. 
yet. It, it was the cutest thing I've ever seen with my own two eyes. I swear to God, I, I've, I've never felt what I felt looking at that cow. Like it was so cute. I wanted to cry. Literally. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. It had like that long, like shaggy cow hair, but it was a baby. And it was like, (laughs) she was white, right? Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And at the birthday, the, the, I guess like the owner or the, the lady who cares for the cow. I don't know. The lady who came with the cow for the birthday. Um, she also had bunny rabbits, but that was another thing. Um, she was going to feed the cow right before they left. And she had this like huge baby bottle with the big red like. Oh, uh, my God. Sucker thing. Oh, my God. And yeah. the cow went crazy when it saw the milk. It went crazy. It was so excited. Oh. It was just looking up at everybody. <laughs> And it was jumping around, like galloping in the air. Like it was so excited. It was like, milk. It was so excited. Cutest thing I'm I've so ever hungry. Yeah. seen. Oh my God. I wanted oh to God. die. It was so cute. It was so cute. <laughs> so Nestor and I were like Googling photos. Uh, we're like, I think it grows up to like 44 inches. Like it's short. Like that's as tall as it grows. And the f- to buy one, it's like, it's less than a French bulldog. Like it's cheaper than a French bulldog. All I need is a ton of property and I can buy myself (laughs) a baby cow. I was going to say, are you guys getting a baby cow? (laughs) It's my my dream now. It is my dream because it produces milk just like a regular cow. I was just going to ask you, can you drink the baby mini cow's milk? I mean, I don't know about the baby, but you can drink a miniature cow's milk. The adult. Yes. Yes. and they live like 25 years longer than oh a dog. Oh my god. Longer than a sturdy cat. little things. Wow. You could uh you could maybe write that off for, as a business expense. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can get milk from the cow. <laughs> yes. Sell dinner parties. And it's a pet and it's party. a family member. <laughs> Oh my oh, god. Yeah. So that so event cute. was that event was really bad for me for a couple of reasons. It gave me like serious like baby animal fever. Like I've never wanted to buy so many baby animals in my life. Like oh my god, they were oh. so cute. Like the baby rabbits, so cute. They had oh. a they had a freaking like it looked newborn guinea pig. It was like hairless still. It was so small. It was so cute. They had so many animals. Like, how small are we talking? Like, this Like, I mean, I guess, like, a guinea pig is, like, this big, right? Like, a full-size guinea pig. So, it's, like, a shrunken version of that. Oh, my God. (laughs) But it's, like, hairless. And it's, like, all rat-like because it was just born. (laughs) I know. I know. And then you also had the two-year-olds, like, wobbling around. I was going to say, so the two-year-old like, babies to its heart. It was... (laughs) it was it was an overload of cuteness on top of like they're just being like wealthy people around you and you're just having like the most gorgeous view of LA so yeah it was a really dangerous event for me like I've never had baby fever in my life until that day I'm like everything in here is just too freaking cute my body is exploding it's just too cute um yeah so that was dinner party that's what yeah, I would say that's what it feels like to turn 30. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, all of your everything small. Are, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Wrong. It's like, when, when did this happen? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So. So it was a success, um, though, and it was. And they were really happy. This... We received tons of compliments. Um, nice. The the people were complimenting our setup. They loved the food. We did. Um, so we prepped all the the salad ingredients the night before. Had it all there, and then. Um, Nestor basically like had people choose what they wanted in their salad and chopped it up, dressed it up and plated it for them. Um, so people nice. were really happy with that. Um, but we made so much food. It was meant for 30 people. Uh, we made maybe eight salads total. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had a lot, a lot of extra work. food. It was so yeah. much work for there to for there to be so little food served um for there to be so much food yeah. left over um but thankfully with private events you leave the food with the person who purchased it you walk away you don't get to waste the food um but Nestor always says when he's working at the hotel when he's working for like a catered events um that are not his that are like through the through the hotel he feels really really weird about it because he's like there's a lot of food waste and they don't take it home because they it's mm. like no you're done with it. You leave the venue. The venue disposes of it. He's like, it feels a lot better to just let, let the person take the food. And then you feel really bad because you spent like 12 hours like working over making sure their food looks good and tasted good. And like you had eight people eat it, you know, <laughs> it's really funny. And yeah. he's like, hey, I don't care because I got paid. If I had to, if I was like hourly and, and some other, you know, corporation was taking the bulk of the money, I'd be pretty pissed. But I got paid. I did my job. Um, that's, so that's what he was saying. Um, yeah, that's, so, yeah. that's what counts. That was, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was dinner party's first event. Um, made some good connections, had a great time, saw some cute babies of all kinds. Um, uh, it was cool. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so awesome. Where can people follow you guys? Cause I'm sure there's going to be interest. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on LA dinner party. Uh, on Instagram. I don't think we have a, a TikTok yet. Um, so it's LA dinner party. Anyways. Cool. Um, so what, what was, what is, or was your sunshine medicine? You know, I'm not down this week, but I'm not specially jazzed about anything. I would say what has made me feel physically good this week was the gym. I just did like a couple bikes, um, lifted a few weights. I just, yeah, I got out of a little bit of like a, you know, physical kind of funk where I yeah. wasn't feeling very well. Obviously it was really sick like a week, well, 10 days ago. And so I hadn't done anything for a while. And then I just kind of went to the gym and I was like really sluggish and not feeling well, but I went twice and I think it was the right call. Started to feel a little better. Um, then we went to the pool. We actually went in the pool yesterday. And so my muscles were really sore from <laughs> that gym and then just kind of like swam around a little bit, nothing like crazy for like extreme exercise, but just to like stretch. And so physically, oh, nice. I felt so good after like, yeah, the gym and then the pool. So that was my sunshine medicine in the last week. What about you? Nice. Um, having a weekend off with Nestor was so nice. We never have weekends off together because um, his schedule is really dependent on work. Um, and I just work like a nine to five, Monday through Friday. Um, yeah. So having a weekend off with Nestor was so nice. Um, oh, I think we so both good. really enjoyed it. It was really fun. And yeah, it was like for the first time we're not like both busy working on something where it's like, okay, bye, like see you later. Like, oh, I gotta do this work <sighs> Two thing. Ships like in the night. Out with you. Yeah. So that mm -hmm. was good. And then I also really enjoyed planning 
uh, with you today. So I guess my sunshine medicine for this week, um, even though this is kind of like looking back by the time this episode comes out. Um, yeah. Podcast planning with you. That was my sunshine medicine. You know what? I had it there too, but I just don't want to say too much, so, but it's true. I really did enjoy <laughs> it. I think that <laughs> I, there's my toxic trait. I'm just kidding. Um, I, oh. uh, I did enjoy that. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. It's nice to kind of sort things out and, um, you know, just have things nailed down on paper. Makes it easier. It was really nice to see you too. Yeah. Likewise. Um, okay. What are you looking forward to? Um, so this may be, okay. Two things, I guess in the immediate future, like this week, I'm looking forward to like a little bit of downtime with Mike. Cause we had so many friends. We had like our uh, Mike's sister and her boyfriend here and then we were off and then we came back and we had two more friends here and it's been nice but it's also going to be really nice just to have like some downtime so just downtime totally. with Mike yeah kind of like you just said with Nestor it's like that cannot be underestimated it's just it's so needed just even a couple of days no plans just like some good relaxing with him and then um Although I have like no definitive plans, I've recently been just sparked by a lot of, um, I guess you could call them painting influencers, sounds so dorky, but just like people who are really big in the like painting space. So I guess every kind of hobby has this, but it's become really popular to have like, they call them like painting retreats or like artist retreats. So, and I think you can do them with photography. Like I, I saw lots in the past, but oh, yeah, uh, a couple, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple people that I really, really like, um, have put out some dates for next year. And, um, unfortunately the one I really wanted to do, she's sold out, but there's a few in Europe and there's, I think there's one in Morocco and I was really considering them. So I might save for Ooh. a painting retreat next year. So that's very far away, but you it's should. a big commitment that I'd have to save for. So. Yeah. You should do yeah, it. I've done the photography retreats. I've done uh, a couple. Um, they're really big investments, but they are worth it. You create some of your best work because it's like under like really? a supervisor, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like you you have somebody who's like, this is the best light, the best, you know, setting, the best this, the best that. You're given the best circumstances. So you have the potential to make your best work. So some of my mm-hmm. best work I made, yeah. I, I still stand by. So some of my best work came out of the workshops that I've done. Um and the retreats. Wow. So yeah, it's definitely worth it. I learned so much. Um, but I, I definitely be selective. There are definitely money hungry, uh, like teachers out there. Um, so just be selective and make sure you're really getting like what's worth it for you out of the trip. But yeah, I, yeah, that's go a really it. good I point. I definitely think you'll have fun. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. There's a couple that look really flashy that are like five grand. And then there's a few that look like pretty good, but I know the artist is good quality. It's just like the marketing is pretty lackluster and it's like half the price. So I'm like, like, I know she's a really good artist. I can see her work. Yeah. Yeah, So I might do that. Yeah. I mean, find the circumstances, like wherever you're going to be painting, like, you know, maybe there's like a specific scene you want to paint or something specific you want to learn how to do that one can offer Mm -hmm. you that the other can't. True. Yeah. I'll definitely be hitting you up for specifics when I go to pull the, the trigger. Ooh, that sounds so fun. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Yeah. What are you looking forward to? 
Uh, a couple things. So um, I'm actually going to Mexico this weekend. Uh, we made the plans this afternoon. Uh, it's it's not a vacation. <laughs> I, I'm going oh, to make no. that very clear. It is not a vacation. <laughs> is it okay? <laughs> yes. So uh, the American veterinary system is fucked up the ass. You know, I'm not even going to block that. Yeah. It's, it's so fucked up. Um, we have been trying so long to get our stray cats completely, um, you know, fixed up basically like, like a cat you would buy at a store, like all the shots, you know, all the, um, you know, getting, uh, uh, spayed, like things of that nature. Um, we haven't been able to do because we haven't had the support, um, that you usually get with a stray cat. Um, we've been quoted $500 per cat to get them fixed. We've been quoted, um, even more wow. in some places, 700 in some places. And and we're like, these are stray cats. And we've gone to um, like stray cat foundations and we've been turned away. Um, we literally picked these cats off the side of the street, basically. Like they were living on the street. Yeah. They had nothing oh, to eat. And they were yeah. We saved their freaking lives. And we've just been trying to make their life a little bit better. Because my other cats are all fixed up, right? Everybody else is done. But um, we just haven't been able to with these girls uh, because they're a little bit older and they're girls. Uh, we also did not know that girl cats are a lot more costly than boy cats are. That's why I was like, how come my boy cat didn't cost this much? He cost me $65 to adopt around the corner in Georgia. You're telling me I got to pay 500 for cats I picked up off on the side of the road? What? What is that logic? Wow. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. If I'm to, If I were to go buy a kitten right now at, at the shelter, $150, everything done. Why am I being so expensive? dollars so $500 to get them I per cat. I know. And that's at the affordable places. I've gone everywhere. I've spent more money in like introductory fees. Like the, oh yeah, you have to pay 75 to get the cat checked out. I paid more money in that probably than, than one getting them fixed. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's a lot. The whole pet thing. It's really crazy, especially it's, with COVID. I feel like it just, it's in a huge bubble. Yeah, it's so annoying. So that's kind of the backstory yeah. of why we're going to Mexico. <laughs> we're going gotcha. to go to the veterinary systems there. Um, nice. I love, I love that uh, Nestor is a native Spanish speaker. I gave him my phone. I said, I have Canada and uh, Mexico service. Call away. He called up a place, less than two minutes. Uh, booked an appointment for Saturday. $66 a cat. Wow. So, <laughs> that's why we're going to Mexico. <laughs> so is, is it in Tijuana? It is, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so three-hour three drive. We're going to get up at 5 a.m. on Saturday, head straight there. Uh, it's right off the highway. We'll drop them off, pick them up later that afternoon. Enjoy San Diego if we want, and if we don't, we'll just drive right back. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't that hilarious? I know, I know, I know. Oh, oh man, it's amazing. I know. So Clever. looking forward to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then I'm also looking forward to my brother visiting. My little <gasps> brother is coming. Oh. Um, he's gonna get here on the second. I'm so excited. He came to LA once before, and he didn't love it. Um, he's also autistic. Um, so he has, uh, more anxiety related to like big cities. Uh, so mm -hmm. I was a little like, oh, he's never coming back. Like he hated it, but he seems 
to be like really excited and, and more comfortable coming back a second time. So I'm really excited for that. Um, and we're going to go to Disneyland. I cannot oh. wait. I cannot oh. wait. So I'm so excited to go. We're going to do Star Wars land because uh, he hasn't done that yet. And he's been dying to go. And, and Star Wars is like our favorite. Like our family like religious, re- religiously grew up on Star Wars. Um, so I, I cannot wait. You know, I've been dying to go yeah. back. Um, oh, yeah. And it's so cool. Like you can't not see that. Like everyone has to see the Star Wars land. It's so. literally the best, right? It's the best. Um, anyways, so Ashley, what's hot? Um, well, they're a bit old now and they've grown out, but my last manicure was a dip, a dip manicure, which I guess is not a novel concept, but I've never had one. And it was so nice. I just wanted to share. So it's essentially, have you heard of it? Is it like, does everyone know what this is? Yeah. Well, for those of you who have been living under a rock, I don't know, but, um, Certainly it, it was, it was cool for me. So it was just, um, it's acrylic, but they put it on in layers with a powder. And so it's a little less harsh on your skin. So if you're someone who had a reaction to acrylic nails or they just felt too, I don't know, like, you know, when you get them on for the first time, they kind of pull your nails and like irritate your fingers. So this just stops that. And it's not as intense so if you want to take them off you can just take them off at home with acetone and I was like what because it's my big problem is I changed my mind I don't want the color I don't I suddenly don't want the nails on anymore so I'm just like I'm too indecisive so when they said that I could just take it off at home I was like that's amazing because like it'll be like 11 p.m and I'll be like that's it I'm done with these so (laughs) yeah so I really like them and I will definitely get them again and they didn't irritate my skin which was really nice because I have really sensitive skin so dip nails either in the salon or at home like I've seen a lot of like at home stuff being popular but just the whole idea of being able to take something off when you change your ever-changing mind is my what's hot this week you know what I was gonna put acrylic nails on my list for that same reason I'm not acrylic press on nails um yeah this is my, I wasn't going to put it on my what's hot because I don't know if I want to promote this specific brand because I'm not 100% sure I like them yet. Um, but I do like their styles. So I won't promote Ooh. it, but I'm just going to say, I'll come back and promote it if I like it. Um, because like Nestor said on the episode I interviewed with him, no free promos. <laughs> That's what he was saying on the episode. Um, Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I'll show them to you. Um, they're cute, aren't they? It's brown. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so these are the cute. nails I'm going to do. I'm a press-on girl, and I became a press-on girl when COVID started because I used to be an acrylics girl, but my nails got fucking destroyed. Mm. I'm just I'm just recovering. I was looking at my nails the other day, and I was like, oh, my God. Is this the very end of, like, all of the horrible mess that my nails went through, like, in 2019? Like, they, they're starting to look normal again, <laughs> which is really sad. Yeah. Like, uh, acrylic really... nails really messed my, my real nails up. So I started doing press-ons, and one brand that I do like that I have I use pretty regularly is called Static Nails, and you can buy them at mm-hmm. Ulta now. They're great. Um, but they have a really nice um, glue, and their nail polish remover also doubles as an adhesive remover. So same thing. I like to be able to take them off when I want. I want to swap them when I want, um, but I also need them to last me like at least a week. If they last me at least a week, I feel like I got my money's worth out of them, you know? Because if I'm using my hands a lot, moving them around, I don't want them to pop off. If they don't last that long, it's not worth it. Goal, 
yeah like 10 days 10 days is like a good use out of my acrylic nails or press-ons whatever they are <laughs> so I wasn't gonna do that but now that you went to the nails I know I know I had to I was just obsessed okay so on my regular what's hot list um amc stubs pass because i just got that again and i got their like 99 cent deal um so i can go see movies at amc three movies a week um sign me up that's amazing holy you have to get it it's 99 cents for your first month it's it's unbeatable cancel it after if you must uh workout clothes are hot but i i know everybody already knows that um I just got a Fabletics membership. I think I talked about that last week. Um, yeah, you mentioned it. Did you end up getting your cute tennis outfit? Not yet, but I'm going to. Um, I uh, I have these like a bunch of really cute workout sets that I bought, and I am still experiencing an injury, a health injury, so I can't work out yet. Um, but I really like the comfort of the specific workout clothes that I bought. I just like the snugness of it without feeling constricted and also like the breeziness of the fabric. So I'm like kind of like tossing out my PJs and swapping out some workout sets instead. You know, it feels a little bit more comfortable. It feels flexible. Like I can do whatever. And I don't feel like I'm in my PJs, but I kind of am still in my PJs. You know what I mean? There you go. (laughs) That is the truth. That is, if I ever heard a girl from the West Coast speak her truth, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) It just suits us, you know, it's the weather. We just need to be able to jump randomly and uh, get, you know, if there's suddenly a class we need to go to or, you know, you need to take a quick nap in your car. It is all of those things, yet it still looks polished because for some reason it's the uniform here. So exactly. And, and, you know, I love it. What can I say? Okay. I have two more. I have a lot on my what's hot list this week. Uh, medication to help me function. Oh yeah. That's important. That's a very essential what's hot. Oh yeah. It's very hot. Um, so I've been on Ritalin now for, I want to say three weeks. Um, we're still, still experimenting with my dosage. Um, but it helps. Oh my gosh. I feel so good so that's really? hot it does hey, that's not just hot that's like freaking wonderful good for you so what do you what symptoms are going down like are you having more increased focus feeling more confident what's the like what's the benefit mostly the focus and um it's like I said we're still experimenting with the dosage so it's not perfect but I can start to feel like I can work on something that I dread like I can focus on something that I dislike again or I guess not again for the first time really (laughs) yeah that's Um, huge congrats yeah thank you uh okay and the last one on my what's hot list is is a very old honestly it's it's a very old what's hot but it's still hot um and I don't know why but I've just been listening to it on repeat for the past two weeks uh and it's olivia rodrigo's sour album um it's just so good it's just so good it's been on my repeat list i can't stop listening to it i don't know why i just got in a mood and not even in a bad mood i don't have any breakup energy to get out the album is just really good (laughs) you don't need to have breakup energy sometimes it's just so soulful 
I I thought you were going to say like much more music hits 2000 and I was like, oh, we're going way back. But that was, <laughs> that oh, that's was like just my regular me. music. No, that's uh, like my regular yeah. music. <laughs> oh my God. Hits of 2002. Please bring it on. Top 20. <laughs> I want to hear it. Um, cool. So why don't we jump into our episode? We have a new structure off the top, but um, do you want to introduce this week's topic? Yeah. Um, okay. So today we are covering the controversial topic of my toxic trait or toxic traits in general. Um, so, but yeah, so I think in this episode, we want to kind of give you guys some information about what is a toxic trait. So we're kind of throwing that around, but we want you to know the definition of a, a toxic trait. What is that? How to identify a toxic trait or a toxic personality? Um, and then of course, it won't leave you hanging, give you some sense of how you might want to work through that either in yourself or in others. And if you've come to a place of accepting, how you can start accepting that. So for this episode, I'm going to go through some definitions and some terminology for personality traits and toxic traits. So hopefully I can give us a little bit of a foundation there. And then um, I tried to give us some ways to find resolution with toxic traits in ourselves, with others. Um, Then I also am going to talk a bit more about my toxic trait. So what I see as my toxic trait, what my partner sees as my toxic trait, um, toxic experiences that have defined me. And then, um, yeah. And then, uh, I have some big questions. So some general questions for us to discuss and our listeners to ponder, and then some more experiential questions that I think kind of will help us guide each other and help the listeners kind of guide themselves through their journey. Cause I think that this is a huge, huge topic that will probably be a launching point for a lot of listeners who are keen. So just a couple thoughts, like thought provoking questions, I think is where I kind of want to lead off with. So, or end off with, I guess, I don't think we'll have a resolution on this very complex topic. Yeah, so that's kind of where I came yeah, from. No. Pretty structured, pretty basic, but I, I think I have some experience to go on for this one. Nice, nice. Okay. Um, so I looked at how to identify a toxic trait, um, how you become or how you understand if you're self-aware enough to be able to identify Um going into specific uh, toxic traits to identify, um, and then uh, analyzing your life um, and analyzing the people in your life oh. and, uh, yeah, how you can identify those in in specific people. Uh, I, I touch on um, how uh, my toxic trait has become a uh, ableist trope 
and I also talk about how we can accept toxicity in others and also when it's time to move on. So you're not always suffering with somebody who's maybe not worth the relationship. So I help you with that distinction as well. Um, and then I also asked my partner um, what my toxic trait is, according to them. Um, and I don't have any questions for you. So I, I guess I'll be your question guinea pig. I didn't get that far. <laughs> I'm good with that. No, that's fine. You can just ask me the same things in return. <laughs> it usually okay, works okay. pretty well. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so before I tell everyone what a toxic trait is, I just thought maybe we could talk a little bit as sort of a foundation about personality traits. So because Ooh, okay. really when we talk about a toxic trait, we're talking about sort of a personality trait that's maybe less than ideal or a behavior of some kind, but I'll give that definition in a second. So a lot of these are direct quotes. I have all my references in the show notes, but basically a personality trait is some kind of characteristic that is influencing how a person thinks, feels, acts the way they are, right? And they tend to make up a person. They're kind of a defining thing of a person. We all know this is very straightforward, but it there's a lot of um, psychology behind it, which I'm not pretending to be some kind of psychologist, but I find it really interesting. Uh, so, you know, we've all heard introvert, extrovert, that's some kind of trait. And usually uh, when we talk about a personality trait, the trait can kind of deviate a little bit, but it tends to stay fairly concrete over time. So people don't tend to change their personalities, they might adapt things or become more self-aware and try to like maybe correct things they don't like about themselves. But overall, a person's personality is fairly stagnant. I don't know if that's a positive way of seeing it, but it, it tends to stay at its core fairly similar. Sure. Um, things that influence a personality trait, obviously, experiences, um, as well as our belief systems. So I think culture, um, lifestyle, all these things that form us as a human are forming our personality traits over time. But although a lot of our personality is built up as a child, it also is influenced, I think, again, intuitively by major life stages. So I think if you're going through something you know, really positive or really, really negative, that can actually kind of bend or shift your personality, even though it's fairly consistent that can alter it a little bit. So personality development refers to our process of, um, of when our organized thoughts and behaviors and patterns that make us unique emerge over time. So like I was saying, a lot of our personality is defined as a child and it's shaped by our environment. It's shaped by how we're raised, the life experiences that we've gone through, but there is an element of genetics so I don't think from a genetics perspective, we know all of the, um, the genetic components, but we do know that there are certain things that predispose us to be a certain way. So this is really coming down to things like our, um, our temperaments, uh, which is innate. So those things might be like our energy levels, our mood, our demeanor, our emotional state, how responsive we are to things drive, learning experiences, like those are kind of like the innate things that are driven by biological factors and genetic components. And, uh, and then on top of that, of course, is all of the other environmental factors that I said to start with. So there's so many different 
um, cycles or like frameworks that try to explain personality. I think a lot of people love the Freud id ego, super ego. Um, it's a okay one, I think, but I just, I think it falls apart when it gets into like the sexual development and like all of the oral anal phases. I'm like, I'm not getting this. I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) So I kind of was like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to explain personality. Um, And I think what, uh, just to finish defining personality, it's just, I really liked this one um, website's kind of way of breaking it down. So all of these different um, structures break down what looks like about five different types of um, temperaments that build up the basic personality. So your openness, which is your level of creativeness and responsiveness to change, your conscientiousness, which is a level of organization and attention to detail, your extroversion, which is a level of socialness and emotional expressiveness, your agreeableness, which is a level of interest in others and cooperativeness, and your neuroticism, which is a level of emotional stability and moodiness. So that's a lot to say. This is the foundation. This is personality trait. So I think when we talk about toxic traits, we can imagine that this is kind of when the ship hits the rock and goes awry on its long journey um, to developing personality. So take a breath. That's a lot to think about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But for me, I thought that was helpful because it's just like, um, you can kind of think of it like a system when something's getting built up, you kind of, not everything is perfect. Obviously, we develop our toxic traits in the same way over time and because of different exposures. So the definition that I liked for toxic traits um, are habits, behaviors, and ongoing actions that harm others. Many toxic traits, such as self-centeredness, are often super subtle and they're hard to pick up on. And although we want to see the best in people, these are kind of those negative things. Um, So I think to solidify it, it's a habit, behavior, or ongoing action, and it causes some kind of harm. Now, I don't know if I agree with the harming others because I strongly think we all have toxic traits that harm ourselves primarily, um, which are just as bad and just as hurtful. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I definitely I definitely agree with you, but I also think that your behavior absolutely has an effect on other people. Um, and oh, I yeah. think it's the way in which that we handle ourselves and how that behavior affects others. That's where where it becomes or can become toxic if you are... I guess like coming at it from a selfish way. Usually it boils down to some sort of selfishness. Um, I think overall, but not not everything. Um, I kind of dive a little bit into, I'm really glad you covered um, the basics of it because I kind of did a teensy bit on that, but I didn't go all the way. Um, But it did trigger like the question, like is is like calling other people toxic, like an ableist um, thing? Are we are we kind of glossing everybody over um, who doesn't fit our ideal person? Calling just calling them toxic just as like a throwaway word. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you covered that. I feel like that's gonna balance out my question kind of nicely. 
But before that, I wanted to touch on like how to identify a toxic trait. Okay. Uh, so there are some steps in how to identify a toxic trait. This is, this is the three part step system that I built as I was putting this episode together. <laughs> okay. Step one, are you self-aware? Um, now what is being self-aware? Being self-aware, uh, asks the question, are you self-reflective? Are you introspective? Do you think about the actions, uh, that you, um, do you think about how your actions have affected others after the events have taken place? Do you think about how your actions affect others before the events take place? Do you think about others' actions affecting you? Uh, those are some questions to ask if you're if you're trying to understand, are you self-aware? If you are already like, yes, get on. I'm a very self-aware person. Let's go to the next step. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I want to ask, do you have integrity? <laughs> now, what is integrity? Ooh, yeah, um, what so does that mean? Here? The best way that I've heard integrity explained is who you are when everyone else goes home. Um, so the dictionary definition is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Um, so hmm. when you are self-aware, you have high integrity for yourself. You're always being honest with yourself. You're always calling your bullshit out when you're being bullshit, right? Um, so I think in order to be self-aware, you have to have some integrity. You have to, you have to um, be really, really, really honest with yourself when nobody else is around right? That has to be like ingrained within you because if not, you're just going to be lying to yourself all the time. And you're never really going to catch yourself being toxic when you're being toxic. So step one, become self-aware. Um, an article I found really interesting distinguished two different types of self-awareness. There's internal and external. So internal is how we fit into the environment we are in. And external is how people view us in said environment. So it's like um, how I'm affected by others' actions, how others' actions affect me. So that's kind of like the self-awareness. And the question is like, how do I react in those situations? I don't know if that makes sense to you. It did to me. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You're like, how self-aware are you of your internal world? your needs, your wants, your limitations, and how aware are you of your external world, like things you have control over and how you can accept the things you don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then step two is to take a list of all the toxic traits um, that you can think of. So I have a huge list for you. I, I'm ready to read them off. Um, so these are some examples of really toxic traits, uh, either in yourself or in others. Um, so a toxic person may be negative, judgmental, lacks responsibility. They're a gaslighter. They're manipulative, inconsistent. They take more than they give. Insincere, passive aggressive, hostile, explosive, emotionally blackmails, untrustworthy, interested in others' insecurities, lacks boundaries, or encourages your worst behavior. So... That might be all oh you. Like you might encourage your own worst behavior. You might be insincere to your own self. You might gaslight yourself. You might lack your own responsibility or others lack things that they told you they'd be responsible for or others are hostile with you. So just kind of look at that, right? That brings us to step three, analyze your life. Eh, so analyzing your uh, childhood. Oh, it's getting dark. <laughs> you just feel like, you feel like my three-step system. Isn't this great? 
<laughs> You're like, okay, so first. start with a piece of cake, then light the, the room on fire. Oh my God. <laughs> Here yeah, we are. No, you gotta be serious. You gotta be serious. With Go this back one. to that childhood um, trauma. <laughs> yes. And you touched on it too, a little bit earlier. It's like nature versus nurture. It's kind of that question. Um, yeah. So when you're analyzing your life, you're going to be analyzing for toxic people and toxic traits in yourself. You're going to be asking yourself these kinds of questions. Did you experience trauma, neglect, unavailable caregivers, chaos, and inconsistency? Did you get everything you wanted? How did your caregivers respond to your needs? Okay, so identify those things in yourself and in others. And if these things start popping up on this list that I just read for you, Maybe that person's toxic. Maybe you're toxic. Okay. And the other one is is your friends and family. Um, mm. So who in your life frequently shows signs of toxic behavior? How do you feel after interacting with said person? Can you be your true self around them? Do you have to filter parts of yourself? Do they filter parts of themselves? Do they have your best interest in mind? So... Those questions will definitely lead you down a rabbit hole of identifying all the toxic people in your life or behaviors um, because not every toxic behavior is a toxic person. I guess I should, mm-hmm. I should clarify. Um, like Ashley was saying just a minute ago, all of us are toxic in some way, shape, or form. Totally. It's only human. Yeah. So uh, that's how to identify do you feel confident now oh, that, that I'm being terrifying. able to identify? Yeah, I can identify. <laughs> okay, nice. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a really good breakdown. Um, I mean, I feel like we're, we're kind of running through things pretty heavy. Do you want to just take a, like a second and talk a little bit about like our personal experiences? This might be a good place. You know what? Let's reveal each other's quiz answers. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So before this show started, Ashley and I took a quiz on identifying our toxic traits. Uh, So this is called the toxic person test from Truity. We'll put it in the show notes below. So we each took the test to see what our toxic personality trait is. Um, Ashley, what did you get? You have a guess. That's just mean. I won't make you guess. I don't want to guess. I don't even know what the options are. You're horrible. Okay. um, Do you want me to tell you the options or I'll just tell you? No, just tell me what you got. Okay. I'm a mansplainer if it wasn't (gasps) obvious. (laughs) Okay. So so I'll tell people a bit more about that. So actually, I'm just going to read from the... the, the test the result because it's really yeah. sassy and it made me feel terrible about myself. So it's like, oh. congratulations, you're the mansplainer. You're so toxic that you're probably already navigating to our Twitter DMs to explain why this test result is so inaccurate. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it literally says, huh. Literally, what you, wait, but it's so funny because you literally were like, this is not me. This is dumb. This is wrong. Like right after you yeah, took it. And then I was like, shit. It, it knows me too well. That's exactly right. I am already trying to be like, I think it's wrong and I'll find out why. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it says you live to illuminate those around you often without taking the evidence that you'll, that you know what you're actually talking about. Now I have to argue that because I often do research. Everyone knows that yeah. I am 
addicted to research. You're so usually that one, probably maybe more educated, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Your most annoying habits are mansplaining to strangers on the internet and bragging about how you are a gifted child thir- or you were a gifted child 30 years ago. Well, I was only one years old, so I'm not sure. The most common responses you elicit from others are eye rolls and pressing the block button. I don't know, maybe, but I probably get a lot of eye rolls. Um, arrogant and overconfident with a ego bigger than Bezos net worth. Maybe, I don't know. Mansplainers tend to score low in agreeableness on the big five personality model. Oh, agreeable people see themselves as equal to others. However, the mansplainer sees themselves firmly at the head of the pack when it comes to intelligence and wit. I'm appalled. It's not all bad. Self-awareness is the first step to shedding toxic behaviors, as Katie told us. Next time you feel a need to mansplain, try listening instead. Ask questions instead of responding with statements and don't offer advice unless someone asks for it. Okay, so I would like to just have my own rebuttal to this horrible statement. Uh, I absolutely agree with this. Um, it's not wrong. It's actually very accurate. I think I went through a lot of my childhood feeling unheard and feeling like I had to speak out and, and try to speak louder to get my opinions heard. I think this is a problem I had a lot. Um, I think I have I've gone through a period of time where I couldn't explain myself very well. I don't know if I just, it was my anxiety. I had a lot of clouding thoughts, a lot of like racing thoughts. So I think people didn't want to listen to me because I, I said too much. It was a lot of just like, uh, yeah, like racing thoughts coming out. And so I just, I didn't know that I had anxiety. So I always tried to like boast and say things louder and get like attention, like, Hey, look at me. And then I think this actually is pretty accurate. I think I did develop a way of being like, Hey, I know what I'm talking about. And I got all the evidence and I put in my time and like stamping my foot down. Meanwhile, actually treating my anxiety and like clearing my thoughts and actually being able to explain myself and communicate more clearly. Um, got me to a place I would say about five years ago of realizing, yeah, I'm not a good listener. And I actually took a class in active listening. So I'd like to think that this is a little better, um, but it's not too far off, especially it's pretty accurate from the way I used to think. But I'd like to say that this quiz was really slanted. You could not answer a good answer like at all. That's true. That's very true. What what are your top three toxic traits? Because it it gives me a graph at the bottom of my answers. It tells me my top, like, I guess all of them. What are your top three? Okay. So I'm arrogant. Very. I'm a nine out of nine. I'm super arrogant. Um, I'm also, <laughs> I'm also lazy, which I, <laughs> I'm like floored. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so lazy. <laughs> um, and then I'm very negative. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to hear mine? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> please take this okay. spotlight off of me. <laughs> I got the drama llama, which makes me oh. laugh because literally my <laughs> I literally got called that by my family once they figured out that drama llama was a thing in like middle school. They called me the oh drama llama. Oh my god! Well, that's so I nice. think that's really funny. Um, I'm not. I'm not in the slightest surprise. People have called me dramatic my entire life. I just think that they under care, and I care at a very normal level. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'll read my yeah. my little thing because I haven't read it out loud yet. Okay, you're the drama llama. Your toxicity level is somewhere between 
the former theater kid who peaked in high school and Snooky during her prime Jersey Shore years. You are the main character, even if you're the only one who knows it. You probably think of yourself as deeper and more unique than most people. You're actually just sort of annoying. <laughs> you need constant oh, this is positive. So mean. Attention. So mean. You need constant positive attention, and you don't take constructive criticism well. I think that's wrong. I think I invite constructive criticism, but that's just whatever. Your most annoying habits are long social media rants. Okay, maybe I do that. Yes, and constantly oh, living your life. <laughs> And you're the cast member on Real Housewives. Maybe. I don't know. Dramatic, emotional, and manipulative. Drama llamas tend to score high in the big five trait of neuroticism or the experience of, of negative emotions. But drama llamas go one step further than simply experiencing anxiety and doubt. They turn it into an art form. Oh. <laughs> This is, this is hilarious. If I ever had this to be is, roasted on the internet, this is the way that I would want to be roasted. It's fine. Call me out. This. I'm not denying any of it, some of it, but it's not all bad. Self-awareness is the first step to shedding toxic behaviors. People with drama llama tendencies tend to also struggle with self-doubt and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Practice mindfulness and compassion for both yourself and others. The world can still be your stage. Just work at refining your script a bit. There you so, go. That's me. Wow. I think it's I feel like that was written by a drama llama, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seems yeah. a little I harsh. Agree. <laughs> I agree. That is that's too really funny. funny, though. Yeah. So, what are your and then, top three traits that are highest? So, out of uh, so my top three, dramatic scored an eleven, oh lazy God. scored a nine, and rigid scored a nine. How can I be lazy and rigid? I don't <laughs> autism, I guess. Like you tell me, I don't know. I know. I love how the two people that have full time jobs and two side hustles are lazy. <laughs> so freaking lazy. We're not doing anything. It says the description for lazy is people who refuse to do their part and let others pick up the slack. Um, if somebody's offering, let them have it. Like, like, do they not realize the society we live in? Like, everybody's yeah, exhausted. Like, let somebody pick up the slack when they need to. doesn't make me lazy. Yeah, if someone wants <laughs> to champion something, I am fine with that. You carry that heavy flag all the way to the finish line. I will see you there because I've got a lot in my backpack already. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That is so funny. Oh my God. I'm like cry laughing. (laughs) I know. I just feel like the internet beat me a little. I feel a little, I feel a little sore (laughs) in my soul, but you know, it's okay. No, it's okay. It's, it's, it's all with a sense of humor. It's supposed to be light. Okay. So I'm actually curious to know how that actually matches up to our own self-awareness. Like when you think of your own self-awareness, like and I'm willing to expose myself. I won't put you through that. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll follow. Go ahead. <laughs> when I think about uh, like my toxic traits, so there's things that I do that are bad for me. And I can tell you like one of them is I have no self-control when it comes to um, setting clear boundaries for health. So like I will not turn my brain off and go to sleep ever. If Mike is away, I'll be like, oh, it's two in the morning. Like, this is fine. I have to work in four hours, but that's not a problem. Like, I just, I I am a child. I cannot look after my own self-boundaries. 
So that's a problem. Um, I don't know if anyone else feels that way. Oh, uh, yeah. But I would – yeah. So I would say personally, though, um, and this actually aligned with what Mike ended up telling me. So he told me – or I'll say what I – I think my toxic trait is not being able to share, like, my true feelings about something. I'm very self-conscious that someone's going to judge me or be uh, – very upset with me like you can see that like I have you know we're podcast plenty I'm like oh I am sorry to bother you but I have this one thought you know it's just like literally so hard for me to like say one thing even though I know that you're gonna be like great okay and like type and um like I do this with everyone it's just like oh I don't want to be a burden but I have feelings and it's just like it's not helpful like no one people just want to know what the problem is right so I have a really hard time communicating like anything that needs to be debated. It's not even conflict. It's just like something that needs to be said. And I think that works really well with like what Mike told me my toxic trait was. He's like, you have a very short temper. And I realize he's totally right. Like, because I'm not always sharing like what's on my mind in that moment, like I will eventually just like, you know, snap. Yeah. And it's not that I like scream and yell at people. It's just like, I'll become like very you lose your patience. Like, oh, I just need to- yeah yeah I'm just like oh just what do you want like and he's like why are you so rude and I'm like I'm just really agitated and he's like nothing's happened I'm like well you know like things have been going on for weeks and he's like you should have said something like <laughs> why are you not and then then it becomes a problem and then I'm communicating very well but not like day to day like I have to sit down and like use my energy it's a whole thing so I think I have like yeah I less than refined like conflict skills and then I don't have a very good patience level so those are my toxic traits yeah yeah I think I mean the way that I the way that I kind of see toxic traits too is like in a matter of environment like you wouldn't have those toxic traits in the middle of a farm in New Zealand like we're all we're like you never have to pay your bills and you just get to live your life and like frolic around. Like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of these things exist by basis of, of what society has kind of like told us or expected of us and expectations that maybe we can't meet or haven't been given the resources to meet. Um, so just something to think about, I guess, as, as we've been chatting through this episode, um, it's just kind of like occurring to me a little bit of like, you know what? All of these toxic behaviors are really just environmental. Um, like we were kind of talking on the nature versus nurture a little bit earlier, but again, like the nurture doesn't come without environment and the nature doesn't come without environment. So I really think it might be circumstantial and it might be really heavily based on like societal expectations. Just a thought, throwing this out there. I have not done research on that. (laughs) I think that's actually really interesting. And I'm trying to put myself in that situation, literally that you said, like, let's say Mike and I were on a farm and we just had to farm in New Zealand and all was well. I, you know what? I'd probably still have a problem. Be like, you're wearing your woolly sweater wrong and like not tell him that he's wearing it wrong. And then be like really frustrated when he can't get it off his head because it's like on sideways. You know, I, I feel like inherently I would still find a way for that negative part of my personality to come through. You're, but I think you're actually right that perhaps things wouldn't be as strong or as intolerant because we wouldn't be pressed to our limits based on, you know, difficult circumstances well, I guess, and environmental factors. Yeah. And I guess I like kind of what, what you were asking earlier is like, 
how these personality traits develop. If you never develop that personality trait just by never being in that environment that you created it, you know, by getting your needs met and you never develop that personality trait, then maybe not, you know, maybe, maybe you wouldn't be getting onto Mike about his wool hat because you never developed that. So just like, again, there's no research behind this. I might, I might be coming at it with the wrong thought, but just something that occurred to me as we were talking. Um, well, I think it's interesting too. And I think you were going to tell us a bit about ableism in a few minutes and yeah. that might loop into that. Like a lot of people don't get these exposures or have other deficits that, you know, put them in different places. And it's not really fair to say we're on a level playing field. It's like, it's not level. It's, we're not all given the same starting point. Exactly. And I also have a lot of same behaviors that you do, but the root cause is completely different, which I find really interesting. Mm. Like I have that That same short temper, like same, like everything's happening. What do you mean? Like there's always stuff going on, but it's not like because I didn't say anything. It's, but it's because my brain literally cannot focus. It's like, literally there's too much going on. Like I, I'm thinking about something happening in the future. I'm thinking about something happening now. I'm thinking about something that happened in the past. And then there's needs that need to be met right then and there. And there's other people that I have to be, you know, focusing on my responsibilities for. So I have that same exact, like the expression comes out the same way. Very short tempered, very like, very short with people. And that's something you and I joke about all the time. We're like, ha ha ha, we're so rude to people all the time because we're really impatient and not on purpose. It's our mental health issues. <laughs> Um, and the people in our lives know that by now, but yeah, yeah. So, um, why don't I dive into the, this angle of, of ableism? Cause I was reading all of these articles and kind of like doing my research as I do. And I kept finding similar traits that were labeled toxic that I'm like, okay, it's a lot more nuanced than that. You can't just label that behavior as toxic just because you don't like it powwow.com like (laughs) so I'll give some examples so um I also pulled from a couple of articles of some other people who were looking at it with the same angle and maybe agreed with me or maybe disagreed so kind of look at it from that as well um so uh a lot of what I was seeing uh in these articles were like um really linked to like narcissistic personality disorder or traits of narcissistic personality disorder. Um, So examples were like using the word I too much, uh, AKA talking about themselves too much in a conversation, Um, seeing themselves as a victim. Uh, One was suddenly you're their new best friend. That was a red flag for a toxic trait. Uh, Somebody who is empathy free is a toxic trait. Um, I actually think looking at this, there are explainable mental disorders for each of these. Um, And it had me kind of like diving in from there. So the person who uses I too much talks about themselves, they're trying to relate to you. They're trying to uh, use the experience that they had in their lives to be able to relate to the situation that you're bringing to their table. They're trying to level up with you. Um, That's a common trait of autism. Um, Somebody who sees themselves as a victim uh, that's a trauma response. They are. They might have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so it might not always be as simple as like, oh, they're playing victim. Maybe they literally went through a really traumatic experience and this is a trauma response. Um, suddenly you're their new best friend um, can be explained by both ADHD and autism. Being empathy-free is a uh, common, sometimes misconception about autism. Um, so just wanted to point those ones out because it's once we're aware, we're aware, and we just keep telling people. 
<clears throat> so um, also the narcissistic personality disorder. Um, so uh, a lot of what people understand about um, narcissistic personality disorder is not what it actually like looks like um, because the traits that you expect are are usually like traits that other personality disorders also have. So it's not a very good telltale sign of what's narcissistic personality disorder. It's not usually what you expect it to look like. Um, so generalizing toxic traits as narcissism um, is just like a no-go. So um, I want to read from this article. Um, this girl has narcissistic personality disorder, and um, she wrote a little bit of an article on it um, and how her feelings on um, my toxic trait. So she says, it's time to take a step back clarify the term toxicity and recognize the ableism in diagnosing every toxic person or behavior as a narcissistic disorder. It seems that having some sort of toxic behavior immediately transforms you into this horrific monster that will never transcend human life and ascend into a fifth dimension. And let me tell you, I don't know if we are transcending or not, but the bad news is for us, we are all toxic in some way. Um... Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Um, but then I also was looking at somebody who's looking at it from a more like just very strict medical perspective um, and just looking at how toxic uh, traits appear in other personality uh, disorders. So uh, this article says people with narcissist, uh, people with narcissistic, borderline and antisocial personality styles often display toxic traits, while toxic patterns may be seen in those with untreated substance use problems. Those experiencing acute phases of mania or hypomania, which are extreme changes in mood, energy, activity, or behavior, we may see grandiose and irritable behavior that may uh, be difficult to work with. So uh, impulse control disorders such as intermittent explosive disorder, like road rage, for example, can also be what they say is quite settling and toxic. Um, so I think the wording on that is also pretty dangerous, pretty ableist, um, but I also just wanted to add that just like as a pure perspective of somebody just viewing this as a very straightforward uh, look. Um, found that very interesting. So basically all that to say to kind of like wrap that point up is like we can't just generalize toxic behavior. Um, we have to really go back to those questions that we were asking earlier, being really self-aware and having conversations uh, with people, uh, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to add that as like a side note topic on this as we think about the language that we use talking about other people and their behaviors. Yeah, I think that's super important. Um, I think that go that actually goes back to um, there's like an age old question I was going to ask you too, but it's really not, you cannot answer it, but I think you've really brought up some good points. The question is, are people inherently good or evil? Right. And I think, yeah, I think we all have our own very complex answer to that. I don't think anyone ever just has a yes, they're good or yes, they're evil. But I like that you said, you know, it's not always, of course, black and white and toxic people aren't um, or sorry, people with toxic traits are not toxic people. We all have toxic traits and they don't define us. And we all need to have a bit more humility and a bit more grace for people. Um, and I do think people are inherently good. And so these toxic things are just facets, you know, facets and things yeah. that have come as a product of our environments and, um, what we were given to start our genetics and how they work together. So I think it's a good distinction to make. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So when it comes to 
working through your own toxic traits, I think number one, you have to have humility. So be re- like, be ready and willing to look at yourself and, um, and, and don't be too hard on yourself. So that's kind of the overall. Um, one of the articles I read gave three nice distinct points, which I'm going to go through because I, I identified with them. So they suggest start with a daily personal development goal. Commit to doing at least one new thing or one thing you're working on every day to help redefine or develop and characterize that personality trait that you're working on. It doesn't have to be very big actions, can be very small actions because we all know that collections of small things are big things and um, every little baby step is going to keep going in the right direction. So one little thing a day, it's all working towards the one goal you have, which is some kind of refinement on a personality trait that you're less than satisfied with from your assessment in the first part of this episode. Um, Point two, so keep a positive mindset. Obviously, I mean, your hosts read out their personality assessments and were mortified, so it's not an easy task. Um, So try to stay positive. Don't be too hard on yourself. Like we just said, have grace for yourself, have grace for others. Maybe other people are doing this exercise as well. So it's difficult. You're working on a personality trait that you've had for a long time, if not your whole life. Like we said, it's come out of some kind of product from maybe your childhood or has been reshaped or redefined over some kind of traumatic event. So don't be too hard on yourself. It's a difficult thing to do. Stay positive and try to pay attention to more of the the wins and the losses. Maybe you can take journal notes. Maybe you can record things like with a voice memo or you can do more visual stuff, but try to make notes on the positives and make sure you're like reminding yourself of your wins every day. Um, And that's going to be more enjoyable for you and probably people around you who are noticing like the good coming out, if you're aware of the good coming out. And then, um, so that's two. And then the third tip for working on those actions is have some confidence. So when you have something new that you've decided that you want to change about yourself, it's, um, it's really easy to let that perceived imperfection define yourself or define you. And, um, that can often reduce your confidence. So you need to, you need to be able to hold space for both the thing that you have, um, sort of declared you need to work on and, and really be honest and not minimize the fact that that needs to be worked on because you've identified that for yourself, but also keep enough space open that you don't lose confidence in all of the great things that are, you know, defining you as well. So you need to be able to kind of be superhuman here and both um, hang on to what's amazing, but really actively pursue improvements on those things that you've defined. Um, Yeah. So to summarize, I would say set small goals. Yeah. Small actionable goals that you can do on a daily basis Two is keep positive and track positive, you know, wins and changes visually or um, like physically on a notepad. And then three, hold space for your confidence and your change. So those, I love those that. are kind of my three points. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there that have advice, but that's, I think, the one that, you know, you read it and you're like, oh, I could actually use that on myself. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, also very actionable, 
we're given like the notebook one two three set of tips we're gonna have to write these down <laughs> get out um, your notebooks maybe we're gonna have a branded notebook for people to take their podcast notes <laughs> that's genius i love that um <laughs> okay well then why don't i continue from that and and teach on how you can accept toxicity in other people or otherwise move on um so yes. now that you've worked through your own toxicity you're a hundred percent you're a perfect person now let's weed out the rest okay <laughs> um here okay, we so are <laughs> this is also a three-part system step one know your boundaries uh, so Tinks has a rule. Uh, she calls the fatal friend rule or something like that. So every friend has one fatal flaw. You either accept it or move on, right? Oh my God, I love this. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. So that's that's her general rule for friendships is like, if you can accept your friend's fatal flaw, great. You're going to have to accept it and you can never complain about that thing ever again. But if you can't, then move on. They're not your friend, okay? So kind of like going a little bit deeper onto that on the boundary side is like figure out what you're willing to accept and what your hard line in the sand is. And you need to make that clear for yourself and the other person. Both of you need to be understanding exactly what the boundary is. Your boundaries are like the bowling ball safety pins or the safety bumpers. They're going to help you stay in your lane. Like pick those up, right? Step two, have the conversation. So um, this article says, make sure to describe the behaviors that are bothering, but don't attribute to your own interpretation about what they mean. So you're not getting to the root cause of their problems. You're not saying, well, you're annoying because this thing happened about blah, blah, blah. No, just say, hey, this is the thing that I feel about the situation. This is how it's affecting me. You don't need to diagnose them with anything. Um, so one example that this article says is like, when you're approached with complainers, like people who are constantly complaining, you can ask them how they intend to fix the problem. Now, disclaimer, that might not work depending on the person. Um, I know some people that if I were to ever do that, that would be the end of my life. They would definitely not be happy with me. Um, but there, there's also people that I would not be happy with if they cut me off and they're like, look, asking me what they want me to do about something I'm complaining just to get off my chest. So take that piece of advice with a grain of salt um, and maybe just ask them what they need like that. You can just be, you can be really straightforward and just be like, what can I do for you? Do you need an ear? Do you want to vent? Do you need advice? Just be really clear with that because that way the other person knows what's going on and you know what's going on. If they just want to vent to you because they had a bad day, they're not a complainer. They need an ear. If they need a solution because they're really stressed out, they're not a complainer. They're anxious. They need a solution. So just another disclaimer. Before you go on, I just have to say yeah. that's so beautiful. Basically, you've just said use empathy. <laughs> like put yourself in their shoes. How beautiful is that? Can we just like that's really nice. Anyways, keep going. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay, so in, in while you're having the conversation, it's important to keep in mind that you need to choose your battles. Like if if this person is, uh, if they have the trait of hostility, like we were talking about earlier, you're going to have to decide, like, is it worth the fight or not? Is it worth going through this thing with this person? Is there going to be a benefit on the other side? You have to think about that. Um, and you have to think about if you want to participate in the battle that they're bringing to you, if they're a very hostile person, you have to choose if it's time to walk away or if it's time to engage and cut it off. That's that's dependent on the situation. Um, 
stay aware of your emotions. Don't sink to their level. Um, so when you're just really aware of how you feel about something, if you feel hurt, don't let the hurt push you to do something else to hurt the other person. Just be aware of what you're feeling. Um, and, and take note of that so that you know what to do moving forward. Uh, don't let them steal your joy. If they're like a killjoy that, and every time you go to them, they just like dementor, like sucking all of your life. Maybe it's time to consider either having the conversation, um, that, you know, they're bringing you down and that you need to do something that's constantly bringing you both back up or you need to start distancing yourself. Um, and then focus on the solutions, not the problems. It's And that's like a good fight advice in general. Like when you're having conflict with anybody is like, try not to focus on the source of the fight. That really doesn't matter. Focus on the solution of it. So um, when you're having a conversation and they're like, I'm not toxic, we're not trying to talk about how you're toxic. We're trying to talk about how our friendship can uh, go through this really important phase and how I like to be communicated with and how you like to be communicated with. That's it. Um, and then step three, which is an optional step, um, break it off. So there's a couple ways you can break it off. You can have one honest conversation and let that be the end of it. Or you can slowly start to part ways in a very respectful way. I'm not talking about ghosting somebody. I'm talking about increasing your boundaries more and more with each interaction. You just keep adding on boundaries until you both feel at a comfortable place where it's like, okay, we've both accepted that neither of us are in good company with each other. Not that you don't like each other, but it's it's just not like a solid relationship or friendship. So that's my two, wow. possibly three-part system. That's on excellent. Or moving on. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. No, I think that's super helpful. Again, some actionable advice. Yeah. That's great. Well, I feel like I have already learned a ton about myself, a little more about you, and a lot about what I can do to make my life better. So I don't know about the listeners, but I think this was very helpful for me. So it's a check in my books. Oh, good. Yes, same. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to go into more of a Q&A or if this is feeling fairly cohesive. Let's just do rapid fire, as rapid as we can go. Okay. Yeah. Wow. These are these are dense for rapid fire, but I will try. Um, do you have personal experiences with toxic traits in friends and work colleagues? Where do you see the toxic problems line up most for you? Um, yes, the toxic traits that I've seen in friendships is usually around, um, not having my best interest and usually having their best interest in mind. Um, and that usually is the same for work. Usually the people that I have interact interactions with are usually, they have their, their best interest in mind only. They are trying to level up. They're trying to make moves and they're trying to leave me behind in whatever way that looks like. That's usually friendships or boss kind of relationships. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's pretty much being exclusively in like um, supervisory positions. I think um, like bosses who thought they hired someone ha who had certain traits, but in no way had that written in the job description Ooh. or it was a part of the work. And then it wasn't communicated that they wanted someone who I wasn't. Um, so 
I think I had a lot of people like trying to train me to be a different kind of person. Um, yeah, I would say that's the most toxic. Yeah. Friends have been over like pretty good. Um, because I think a lot of friends that I have have been fairly good at communicating and have been fairly self-aware. No one is perfect, but I've never run into someone who was just heinous, I guess I could say. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, but there's been some there's been at least one heinous boss. The thing about toxic people usually in your life is that they're not like obviously toxic. It's usually a discovery, which is kind of like why we kind of went through the steps that we did. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you ever encountered toxic personalities when dating? Yeah, but like I, I've dated men. So I, I mean, I don't really know how to expand on that. Men are trash. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I've online. Yeah, I, I've, seen, I've seen what's out there. Good answer. What about you? Um, yeah, I've, I've definitely encountered some people that had like no backbone, poor ethics, um, were shysty little buggers, uh, people who were just like no moral guidance. Uh, yeah, like a variety of all sorts of shady types. Also lots of good people, <laughs> but definitely a number of really shitty people out there. Um, yeah, I was – okay, I was going to ask you if in your reading, did you find like a metric for – to like – identifying how self-aware you are like is there like hey I've reached this level or is it just like okay be your best judge I believe they call that nirvana I'm just kidding Um, oh I guess (laughs) that's a religious joke for you Um, I get it (laughs) yeah no I don't I don't think no I don't think there's a peak I think I think everybody no matter how perfect you are everybody has uh, if if we're using this loose internet definition of toxic trait, I think everybody has them, and no matter how much work they'll do, they'll continue to have them because you're that's by value of somebody else's opinion. The most virtuous person in the world can still, by somebody else's opinion, be toxic in some way, shape, or form because they're not like, oh, well, you only care about this one virtue of blah blah blah, even though they're like literally the most honest person in the world you know what I mean so um I don't think there is, is such a thing as a perfect untoxic person yeah I think it, that's true it's like it it's all perspective like if you value something else you're gonna think the opposite is toxic totally um okay my last kind of two questions was like when did you first identify your toxic trait and can you trust that with others like can you can you trust to say hey I have this thing I'm working on it like can you trust that with others or is it really hard like trust others to know that I have the trait yeah or like trust that others will still care and love like care about you and love you even though you have that toxic trait or is it like a point of like um I think the people shame (laughs) No, I really, I, I really try and be careful with shame in general. I really try not to perpetuate it to anybody. And I also try not to like create it in myself. Um, I think that's a really bad emotion that is just pointless. Um, so on the question of how to like, when did I identify my toxic traits? I mean, I've always, I've always been a pretty self-aware person and been able to identify those things. Um, uh, 
But usually if I haven't discovered it on my own already, somebody usually calls it out in a fight. And then I usually think on that for about two weeks. And then I'm like either deciding were they right or wrong. Um, so that's to answer that. And then what was the second question? Like, oh, how do others how do others accept it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think the people in my life would still be in my life if they couldn't. Like, I feel like I'm pretty honest with who I am and, and where my faults are. Um, I'll be the first to tell you where, where I'm going to fuck up. Um, but I think, like, I've set that boundary. I've told people what my mental health issues are. I've told people what I'm capable of and what I'm incapable of. And I tell people where my limits are. That's all I can do. And if people don't want to be accepting of that, that's not my fault. That is has zero to do with me. That has everything to do with their own personal life. So that's how I believe that. Amen. What about you? What are your answers? Oh, I feel like... Um. I've always known that I was a fairly angry person, um, <laughs> to be honest. Same. I, like, same. yeah, we have the same I, I kind of know. bitterness. It's so funny. It comes from the different yeah. places. It's, but it's like, but why? Like, I don't know why. Um, it kind of told you a little bit, like I wanted to be heard more and I had a lot of cluttered thoughts and a lot of what I used to say wasn't very clear and people didn't want to listen to me. So I got very angry. It's kind of like being trapped in your own brain. Um, I get that. So yeah, it was yeah, I was always a very angry child. Um, I think I don't, I wasn't necessarily a difficult child, just an angry child. And I think it's because I had like, again, a lot of anxiety and some depression and not really knowing where to put my energy and feeling very frustrated. And then when you're a kid, you maybe don't have the skill set to talk about it or deal with it. So I probably learned like poor anger management skills as a child. Then I would say I probably started dealing with things um, when I was like 20 and, and I've been working on it since then. So I'm hoping that there's been some improvement, but I am not perfect. Um, Try to have more, more patience with people, more empathy with people. Um, And then I think along with that over the last yeah, probably eight, 10 years, Mike has definitely been trying to help me like vocalize like my opinions and my thoughts and my needs, which has like reduced the anger because I'm getting a lot of things I need and I'm having a place in the world and I am having a clear voice. Like, you know, he's like saying like, that's clear. Like we we know what you're saying. We know what you want. So you don't need to be so angry. So I think (gasps) there have been gains, but it's, it's, (laughs) I feel like I only grew up in my twenties. I was a very large child until then. Oh, I I don't even feel 28. Like, I swear to God, I still feel 15 sometimes, most times. I'm like, I don't even know my own age. Um, And I've just come to realize that most people in their 20s and 30s also say the same exact thing. Nobody really feels older than 16. Um, We just are. (laughs) You don't have to feel it. You just are. Um, That's true. That's great. I'm, I'm I'm glad that you are like in a place that you're like able to acknowledge, you know, the things that you're working on and that you have somebody in your life that's able to work on it with you. That's really, that's really special because a lot of people don't have that even in, in relationships. Um, not to say that I don't either. Cause like, I just went over to Nestor and was like, what's my toxic trait. And he just like gave it to me. Right. He's like, yeah, I'll tell you how you're 
fucked up in life. Like, you know, but those are the people we trust in life. That's why they're there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything else to add to that, but I thank you for sharing. I guess with that, that seems like a, a nice cushy place to leave our listeners after a very detailed and heavy discussion. I'm going to get on social media and try to see if um, people are willing to expose themselves like we did. Um, get to know the listeners, see if we can help, see if we can like bond on anything that, you know, is common. And um, yeah, and then just try to update people about the new schedule. So let us know if you're liking yeah. it, if Thursdays work for you. And get excited because we're, we're going to have a, two solo episodes this month, one from each of us. I'm going to actually work on a callback episode um, to try to answer some of the very complex questions Katie asked in the family intergenerational <laughs> and epigenetics lecture or lecture. See, I'm, the, I'm already thinking genetics um, episode. And then um, Katie's going to cover a topic next week that's very near and dear to her heart about a recent diagnosis. And then we're going to have a guest on um, probably in the intervening week. So look forward to those Lots three super intense topics and yeah so if that's it i guess we'll see you guys next week bye hope you enjoyed it <laughs>